a long time, so <laughs> I knew I'd get an amen out of Larry Smith over there. I appreciate so much you worshiping the Lord with us. It's, it's an exciting opportunity that the Lord gives us to come together with the men and women of a like precious faith. One day, my influence when I'm long and gone will be embedded in your spirit and you'll return to the King James Version of the Bible. And, uh, and you'll get that poetic language like that um, to mix in with a lot of hillbillyish language uh, in there, too. A couple of things, though, that I have to announce to our church family, um, the entirety, but for membership in particular, because I have been telling you for about five weeks now, there's a letter in the office for you that has some information about an upcoming business meeting, and you have failed me in picking it up. For the last time so this is uh so jace holmes is going to be out there he said he told me what he would this week and my wife sherry somewhere in the foyer because there's two stacks of them but if you're a member of our assembly pick one up today if you would because it's going to tell you a little bit about two upcoming meetings that we're going to have to have that we need to have um the first of which is going to be an informational only meeting and it's going to be on a wednesday night on the 30th i wasn't going to tag something on the 30th because I can just take a moment to tell you, we're going to paint the, we're going to have the sanctuary painted on August the 28th. It's going to start August the 28th. It's on a, uh, Monday. They think they'll get in and out in one week. And that Wednesday, though, we're, I haven't even told JoJo yet. He's going to hear about that later today. Well, we're going to probably bump the youth, and the adults are going to stay back there so we can have our information-only meeting that talks about the content of that, uh, that letter. And then on September the 10th, that's three weeks from today, on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon at 1.30, we're going to be voting. Um, and you'll, if you, I don't want to take the time to talk about it now. You'll just have to read the letter. Um, and so the information is in there. Make sure you pick it up today so that you'll have that information. We want you to be thinking about it. But if you have any questions between now and then, um, you can see me or you can see any of our board members and, uh, and when I mean board members, we have a lot of board members, B-O-R-E-D -B -O members, but I'm talking about B-O-A-R-D members, the board members, and uh, the uh, elected board members. They can help answer questions as well as myself. Don't hesitate. We want you to be informed because it's information dealing about the, the property on the bypass. It's about the Constitution and bylaws changes, and we don't want anybody voting about anything that they don't have all the information necessary to make a conscious decision. Amen? And lastly, today, I will be setting a date for baptism and baby dedication. Today. Today, so I'm going to get with other people, and I'm going to lock in because uh, we've got a few, uh, especially teenagers, that are being water baptized, and I've got two children for baby dedication. So if you're interested in either of those, you need to get a hold of me as quickly as possible in the next few days so I can get you on the list and so I appreciate that so much uh, the opportunity to share that with you so don't forget I know you will but I'll try my best to remind you along the way if you're a visitor we say thank you for being in service with us don't we church family there should be a card in front of you amen I'm to ask you to take the time to fill it out and uh, turn it in today at the table there's usually somebody at the table uh, there in the foyer that can answer any questions that you might have about our church family. But it is, uh, we do appreciate so much you being here with us. I am going to shout out to a couple that have driven all the way down from Shirley, Arkansas today to be in service with us. And that is Mr. Arliss Gray and Sister Audra Stewart. And they are both a part of Maranatha Assembly and have been for a long time, especially Audra for a long, long time and has become a pillar of the church. And our, my sons were raised up together with her sons and uh, still have close relationships to this very day. My son Austin has run, chased her son through the woods of Shirley many times, chasing after the elusive uh, American uh, gobbler. Uh, and, so, and then now he has uh, unduly influenced my eldest son, and now he's chasing him through the Colorado mountains soon in pursuit of an elk. And so, nonetheless, they have left a lasting impression upon our family, and we appreciate so much. And Arliss, we are glad that you got Audra to drive you down here today. Amen? It is good to be in the Lord's house today. It's a great joy to worship God. It's a great joy to be able to share the word of faith with you here today. If you're new to our assembly, I'm in the fourth message on a series of calling it series because that's what preachers do and tell you today to say. Um, it's more of a journey for me personally. It's, it's evaluating uh, and challenging unbelief in my own heart. Uh, unbelief can mask itself as a lot of different things. 
right? It can mask itself as a tradition. It can mask itself as theology. It can mask itself as um, uh, previous practices. And we can say, well, that's faith. No, really faith comes from the Word of God, right? And we go to the Word of God to discover perfect faith. And so that's been our journey. We're still on that journey. We're going to read two verses of Scripture today uh, to open the service, to, uh, to, to, to open this message today. So I'm going to ask you, as you, if you've got your Bibles, you can stand with me, please. We're going to turn to Romans chapter number 10. By the time we are finished here, you're going to be able to quote Romans 10, verse number 8, from the authorized version of the Bible. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 8 says, But what saith it? It's on the screen in front of you. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I love that, don't you, church family? I just, let's just read it again. It's bear, it bears repeating. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Where is it? It's in thy mouth and it's in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It's the word of faith which we preach. One verse of scripture today kind of casts a little bit of light of where I'm going to eventually arrive at. It's in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrews Hall of Faith. It's from the individual who we've been trailing his account and the account of the children of Israel a little bit that's helped us to look at it in contrast to gain an understanding of what faith is. And today it's just one verse of scripture here in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. It says that through faith, he being Moses, through faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And so my series, again, has been the word of faith. It's been the word of faith. You've grown accustomed to seeing that and hearing this, and I've been adding addendums to it. I've got a couple of addendums that I'm going to add here along the way, the first of which is I'm going to pose a four, I think, a four-word question on the back side of the word of faith, and it is what made the difference, what made the difference. So just kind of tuck that in your heart, and we'll ask the Lord to lead us today. Amen. Oh, I feel nervous here today because I don't feel prepared to preach such a, uh, a doctrinal, uh, such, such things that, that have such impact in our heart and life, and I don't feel qualified. I, I'm going to have to trust entirely in his sovereign grace, which is what I ought to do every week anyhow. Come on, somebody. So join with me in faith and prayer, and let's pray and ask the Lord. God, would you help us here today? Would you help each one of us to somehow turn off the events of the day that will happen from noon forward and the events of yesterday and this morning that have already previously and that have taken place. Help us to consider this next few minutes of time, God, as sacred. Sacred time. Let time seem to stand still, God. Father, that the word might be received, the word of faith. I pray today, God, I confess amongst the church family today that I feel... Uh, Father God, ill-prepared in heart and in head, but I'm going to trust in the supernatural anointing of God and the grace of God. Father God, I've said it before, I'll say it one more time audibly, that Peter heard a rooster crow, and Father God, his heart was moved. I pray, Lord, today that my crowing from this pulpit, God, can affect the hearts of men and women. Lord, I ask this today, and I humbly ask it. I don't say it in preacher lingo, God. I say it out of sincerity. I need the help of God. I need the help of God to be able to speak to the people, but I know if I need the help of God to be able to speak to the people, the people need the help of God to hear. So give them a hear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to each one. In Jesus' name and all of God's children said, amen and amen and amen today. And thank you so much for your reverence of the Lord and uh, of my standing in honor of the Word of God. I'm honored that you do so each and every week willingly. The word of faith is near us. It's in our heart and it's in our mouth. The word of faith, the scripture tells us, comes to us by means of those that preach the gospel. The greater context of Romans chapter number 10 is how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good news that have been sent by the Holy Spirit. Sent with what? A word of faith. And if your ears are, are open to the word of faith, it will forever change your life. The word of faith. It is the word that has gone forth out of the mouth of God. Jesus on the mount of temptation. He was tried in all points like as we are yet without sin. Each time that he brought a rebuttal to the temptation of our adversary, he rebutted him or made his rebuttal by the word of faith. 
He spoke the authoritative word of God. He spoke it. And he said it this one time, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth forth out of the mouth of God. And so the writer Paul would pick up on this and tell us later that we live by faith. How many of you today? We live by faith. We believe. We, we receive the word of faith in our heart and our life. It alters us. It gets, we, we hear it. We receive it. We believe it. We learn to speak it. We learn to meditate on it, think on it, ponder it, get it inside of us, get it entrenched in our heart and mind. As I began this series, of, 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 I went into this series because the greatest thing that I wanted to do in my heart and life for the season of life that I'm in is truly challenge unbelief. Challenge the, the, the gray areas of my heart that I've allowed unbelief through tradition, through disappointment, through frustration, through the life changes that have happened around me that have robbed me from standing and speaking and believing the word of God and seeing the grace of God being revealed in the, in, in, in the preaching of the word and then also what happens in the lives of men and women. And, yet, and, and as I went into this series, I thought that I would find myself quickly uh, speaking about the, 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 almost the contemporary model of the word of faith, but, uh, but it didn't take long before I began to kind of drift from that some. And I think I will arrive back there at a later point point in time, but I went right to the beginning. I went right back to the very first place that a man was ever commended by God with having believed God, and I went to Abraham, where Abraham, the scripture says, stumbled not in unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, believing, that's where we're at today, believing that what God promised, he would also perform. I need just a little bit more monitor right here, if you would. Are y'all out there today, amen? And I know you say, Pastor Ron, do you cup your ears like this? People ask this, because I want to hear what you got to say. I need a hearty amen. Thank you. And so from there, though, as we went to the beginning, we went to Abraham. We quickly slipped past Isaac and Jacob. And we arrived at the sons of Jacob held in Egypt, where they were held in there for 400 years of Egyptian bondage. And we began to follow the journey through that of the children of Israel and Moses. And then, so that I took you back to the beginning. And then the second week, I went in very quickly to something that's very important about faith, and that is patience. <laughs> Thank you. Right, and uh, it's patience, and, and we have to learn to, in learning to trust in God, you have to learn to wait on God, right, and it's a, it, patience is a very difficult thing, I think I did my very best to explain to you that patience is not simply waiting, because you can wait in unbelief, and you can circle the mountain in unbelief, and you can be looking at your watch like President Biden, and, and you can put your foot down, and all of those things, and, and yet still be filled with unbelief, and that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about learning to be steadfast, immovable in what you believe, and though things haven't changed immediately, you're going to trust. You're going to trust that God's going to fulfill what he's promised, right? That takes patience, right? The Bible plainly says, through faith and patience, you shall what? You shall inherit the promises. And then last week, I reminded you very quickly that there's often the conflict of faith. That the moment that things begin to manifest themselves in your life, and you begin to hold on to a promise of God, and you begin to hide it in your heart, and you begin to trust in it, and adapt to it, and adhere to it, and begin to speak it out, that immediately it seems like there's conflict. That Jesus himself, in teaching about the word of faith, said this. He said, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. Right, And then he gave us the parable of the, of the seed that was sown on soil. And he said it will spring up quickly, because it, but if it doesn't have depth of earth. And then he explained that to, to us what that meant. That's for people who don't have the word down inside them. It's just in their ears. It might even be in their mouth, but it's not entrenched in your heart. And said so that, that, that the cares of this life and conflict and persecutions could come in. And many times people are offended because of the conflict that comes. But why does it come? It comes from the word's sake. It comes for the word's sake, conflict does. That's been the journey that we've been on thus far. And I want to take you just a little bit deeper about learning to trust God and believe God. And I think, again, if, I, if you might, uh, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the evidence of the thing that we hope for. It's the substance. It's the thing that we're believing God for, we're trusting in. And, and yet I, I, I want to go back again to Romans 4 where it, I believe if you just want to want a snapshot of what faith and the heart and life of a believer, Abraham, as I mentioned previously already this morning, the Bible says that he stumbled not in unbelief. That's who I want to be. I don't want to stumble in unbelief, but I want to be strong in faith, giving glory to God, giving glory to God and believing. Listen to this, believing that what God promises that's faith. When you believe that what God promises, he will perform. Today, briefly, 
I want to share with you real quickly is that there is a difference in believing God in the context of the way we see American faith. If you, if you, take, if you were to go down the streets of even the metropolitan cities in America today, the, the majority of people confess that they believe in God. But I'm not talking, that's the American faith, believing in God. I'm talking about believing God. Did you hear that? Believing God. Believing the word of God. Believing the word of faith. In our journey of faith, to grow in faith, we must learn to trust in God. We must believe in our heart and learn to confess with our mouth. The means of faith where it is revealed, I believe, is therefore I speak it. I, 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 this faith, I believe, I, I, it is revealed by what I speak. And I hold fast to my profession of faith exactly as I have Follow, as I've watched God, as God spoke it and then he walked away from it because he, his power would change it in his timing. So I want faith in God. I want the faith of God, right? I put my faith in him. What I mean by the faith of God, the faith that comes from him, right? I want the faith that he wants me to have so that I can be pleasing to him because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to believe that, it, that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that will diligently seek him. So it's a, it's a cycle here of growing and learning and confessing and pulling down strongholds and things that are rooted in your person. And I'll tell you what, and I've been honest about this and I've challenged you along this journey. You've just got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest. If there's unbelief in your heart, don't, 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 uh, don't try to hide it in your communion with God. Call it what it is. Confess it to the Lord. Uh, repent of it and say, God, I want to pull that down in my heart and life because I want to believe you. I want to trust you in all good things. I think about it in the American church, and I try not to be a critical person because anybody can look at my life and find plenty of reasons to have criticism. But the reality is, is we have spent much of our time attempting to teach people to trust God for his favor and his blessing, for his favor and his blessing. And that's a good thing, and I thank God for favor and blessing. But I want you to know today, I, I don't know that in doing so, if we've really even seen the overwhelming majority of believers fully delivered of the bondage of sin. <laughs> I knew nobody would shout me down on that one. I got one or two. And so delivered of the bondage of sin. And there are a lot of people that just aren't at peace with God. Right? And that's only going to happen by faith. Right? It's only when you come to the agreement with God and align yourself with God. I, I want to take you here for just a, a minute. I want to take you into something, if I might. Remember where I've been in Romans chapter number 15. There's one verse of scripture there that stood out to us. It says, the things that have been written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So the things that were written before time, that the authors, 40 different authors, authors on three different continents uh, by the Spirit of God came together and write as they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and they write and they capture the heart and the mind of God. And these things from Genesis unto, uh, un, unto Malachi, as, as Paul is looking back on, he's saying these things have been written for us so that when we read and ponder and pray, we can identify with them and we can learn. And what happened to them often is repeated. It's times and seasons have change but the bible says there's nothing new under the sun right some of the very same things and struggles that they're going through we find ourselves going through and so we have followed the journey of this man called moses this man that was raised as an egyptian prince unbeknownst to him that his actual spiritual heritage was that of the hebrews the Hebrew people that were in bondage. The Bible gives us no record of when that was made known to him, when he became consciously aware as he is trained and learned in all the ways of the Egyptians, when the revelation was given to him that you're not an Egyptian, the Egyptian Pharaoh that's worshipped as a deity is not your father, but your father somewhere in the land of Goshen spread out amongst the people that's been held in bondage, serving the Egyptians for 400 years. Moses his calling begins to awaken in his life at 40 years of age. He attempts to be a mediator. We've talked about it. But it's important to go back and catch us up to where we're going to be just very, very briefly. And he was thrust away, his act of mediation, standing between, between two Hebrew men that strove one with the other. And Moses attempts to mediate the two, to pull the two together. The scripture says in Acts 7, he was thrust away. And did you know how long that thrusting away lasted? It lasted for 40 years. That's how, that's how long and how far he was pushed away from the people of God. 
And during that time period when he's in the Midian desert, it was there that it seemed like all of his humanity was stripped from him. Everything that he had learned in the Egyptian schools, everything that he had learned being raised as an Egyptian prince seemed to be taken from him. He's not confident in himself. He's not confident in his ability to lead. He's not confident in his ability to speak. He's contented, the Bible says, to dwell in the land of Midian and keep sheep that's not even his own. Until a fateful day, on the backside of the Midian desert, he saw a sight that drew his attention. It was a bush that burned but was not consumed. And Moses drew near to see this great sight and what it was when he heard something, an audible voice speaking to him out of the bush. And he heard the word of faith. He was exhorted by that authoritative voice to take the shoes off of his feet because the ground, perhaps just the circumference of the ground, 15 or 20 feet around, that ground was sacred because of the presence of Almighty God. And there, Moses, what we now know as the man of God, but at that point, he's the failed Egyptian prince who's become a shepherd who's lost all of his hopes and dreams of ever being a deliverer, hears the word of faith where he is challenged to fulfill his destiny and go back to Egypt and bring the people of God out of bondage. Man, it's a powerful story, isn't it? I think all of us have been identifying with Moses. And without going back and re-preaching all of this, the only way, if you want to discover it, go back and listen to the podcast. And you can listen to these sermons. I preach a long time. I take a long time to tell the narrative there. But I think you can identify with Moses. And where we picked up last week, the plagues have started. Moses has made the journey back. The people, there's been contention thus far. And nothing has happened. I told you two weeks ago that, that, that Moses spoke to the mountain. As the scripture says, that we will speak into mountains and they will move. Moses spoke to the mountain and the mountain didn't move. <laughs> and I told you last week, it was day one failure. It was a day one disaster. And, and so Moses had to navigate himself through this. But God was faithful. God kept coming back to Moses and reaffirming the word of faith. Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to trust me. It's not going to look like deliverance is going to happen. But when it's all said and done, you're not just going to get to leave. Egypt is going to thrust you out because of, the, of, of what has happened amongst them. It's a powerful story. The plagues have begun. God is showing his power. He's judging the people of Egypt, but he's also judging their idolatry. Right, the, the, the deities, the ancient deities of the Egyptians are being judged one by one. And we begin to see some things take place. And that's what I want to catch you up on here today. Some of these judgments begin to unfold. And as these things unfolded, I began to notice something. This is just my attention. I began to notice a couple of things. There were ten plagues. It's very uh, familiar to many that have studied much at all about the history of Israel, began with the blood and commenced to the frogs along the Nile River. I began to see something there. I began to see as I was looking at it, and I said, I began to see a distinction between the people of the Hebrew people who were dwelling in the land of Goshen and then what I was seeing in Egypt. And I, I noticed closer as I read in the book of Exodus there that often it would say in the land of Egypt. And when you think of the land of Egypt, you think of the entirety of the land of Egypt. But at times the author is using this to distinguish the land of Egypt from the land of Goshen. Because the land of Goshen is where the children of Israel developed. And as I was studying these plagues and looking at them, I saw briefly that, that the first couple of which it seemed like they, they really wasn't affecting the children of Israel because it seemed to be along the Nile. And the land of Goshen must not have been along the Nile because it was blood. The water turned to blood. Then the frogs came out of the Nile. But then I, I read about lice and flies. And that is a plague, isn't it? And so, but here's what it said in, in Exodus 8 and 22. It said, there shall be no swarms of flies shall be there. And that's, where's, where's there? The good land of Goshen, where the children of Israel. So it seemed like a complete distinction. Like, like there was a distinction made. Then there was a death of cattle. But it wasn't the death of the children of Israel's cattle, or cattle being livestock, because when they came out later, they had much livestock to be able to offer to God in sacrifice, and also for their own livelihood. Um, but so it seems like there was a distinction that was being made. And then with the boils, there were boils that broke out all over the people, of, uh, even including the magicians, Janice and Jambres, uh, broke out with boils. And yet it's, it seems like there's no record of it, but it seems like a distinction was made. But it plainly says that when the hell fell, the clouds grew darkened and lightning and thunderings, 
The scripture plainly says this, in the land of Goshen was there no hell. So it seems like if there was just this dividing line right here and that the plague happened on this side and yet there was, it didn't enter, didn't even cross over. There was almost like an invisible barrier that would keep it from going into the land of Goshen. We see it with the locusts. We see it with darkness. And darkness, it says that, that there was darkness for three days. And the people, it was so dark they couldn't see their hand in front of their faces even in their own homes. But the Bible plainly says all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And it's very much like, like the children of Israel. Their kids could have been out in the yard playing. But you can look over to the land of Egypt and it's total blackness. As if there was a distinction. I want to show you something here in the 11th chapter of the book of Exodus. I think it's where I'm going to commence with just turning just a little bit to see if we catch something here. Because I think once you see this, it's going to help you understand where I'm going here in just a little while. In the 11th chapter of the book of Exodus, verse number 4, that's where we're going to read about four verses of Scripture. And Moses said, thus saith the Lord. About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. And the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even to the firstborn of the maiden servant that is behind the meal, and all the firstborn of beasts. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, for shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast. Read this seventh verse very carefully. Read it closely. That you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Come on now, doesn't that strike you? Does it not just, just, just reading it the way it reads? Read that last phrase. That you may know that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So I started the message, I'll tell you, I had an addendum to my title of my sermon series, What Makes the Difference? We're going to get there in just a moment. What makes the difference? Because you're going to see something here in just a moment. We're going to turn to this 12th chapter. And we're going to commence a reading. We're going to read a few verses of Scripture here, about 15 verses. And that's kind of the entirety of our Scripture reading. We're just going to follow this dialogue. Because in the beginning here is this word of faith that God brings to Moses. Moses, if he carries the word of faith to the people, he has to first receive the word of faith. And so the Lord speaks to Moses. You read it with me. And Aaron in the land of Egypt. And he's saying, this month is going to be unto you a beginning of months. What's about to take place is going to so radically alter you that this is going, you're going to change your entire calendar. I want you to think about that for a moment. How many of you know there are times that God moves on our heart and life that radically so changes us that everything is measured from that day forward? Right? It's going to be completely altered. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak unto the unto the congregation of Israel. You speak it. You hear it. You receive it. You believe it. And you speak it. Here's what you tell them. In the 10th day of the month, they're going to take every man a lamb. And they're going to, uh, every man according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. It's a male of the first year. You shall take it from amongst the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening time. And when you do, here's the instruction. And Moses is receiving this from God. In a moment, we're only going to read four additional verses. And we're going to see as Moses then shares the word of faith. But we're seeing how Moses receives the word. We can only ponder what's going on in the mind of Moses as he hears the word of faith. He's seen the hand of God. He's seen the plagues upon the Egyptians. And now God is saying there's something that's going to happen that is so devastating. And he says, and then he does something so odd. It seems to be so unique. Take this lamb and slay it. And then what he said, verse 7. And they're going to take of the blood and they're going to strike it on the two side posts. On the upper door of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Here's the instruction. Eat it not at raw. Don't sodden it at all with water. Roast it with fire. His head with his legs. 
and with the what is that pertinence thereof, and he shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning, it sh you shall burn with fire. Just a little bit farther, and look how you're going to eat it. You're going to eat it with haste. You're going to eat it with your loins girded. You're going to eat it with your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste because it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Now, there's a little different wording in that. We're going to catch it in a moment. And I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and execute all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment because I am the Lord. So God was judging the idolatry of the people of Egypt who worshiped this pantheon of gods that I referenced last week. But he said this. Catch the wording. Read it slowly. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Whoo, Shatakai Mosia right there on that. Let's read down. Let's drop down, though. So Moses hears this. So Moses has received the word of faith. Moses believes it, and he begins to act upon it, and now he becomes the carrier of the word of faith. And verse 21, it's only three verses of Scripture that we're going to read to kind of begin to wrap this up in this context for just a moment. And Moses now calls the last word of faith conference that they're going to host in the land of Egypt. He calls all the elders of Israel, and he gives them the direct instruction that he's received from the Lord. That's what our job is as preachers. Not to water it down, not to sugarcoat it, not to say, man, I don't understand, you know, just to say, you know, maybe we need to adapt it some, no, take it exactly as it's given to us and bring it to the people, right? He said, here's what I want you to do. His instruction was very specific. It was exactly what he had heard from the Lord. He said, I want you to draw out, take you a lamb according to your families, kill the Passover, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop and you shall dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And you shall strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you, don't forget that, shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. This 23rd verse should be written on the heart of every believer here today. And the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the door, uh, the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door. And will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So let's pause and look at that for just a moment of time. If we can, because I'm going to take you somewhere in just a moment. The children of Israel have watched from afar. From the good land of Goshen. The safety of the good land of Goshen. In the land of Egypt. As God who is a righteous God who judges the earth, and he has chosen to judge Egypt, has poured out wrath upon the people. Nine plagues have fallen upon the people. Israel has not lifted a hand. They've not done anything at all whatsoever. They didn't have to march. They didn't have to appear here. They didn't have to do anything. They only simply sat back and watched. But this final plague, a plague unlike any other, Moses receives very, very, in, very, very strict instruction. It would seem odd when you look at it from the surface, that the, the, the simplicity of taking this lamb and slaying the lamb and eating it on this final night of Egyptian bondage. And then very, very specific instruction to take a basin, draw out the blood of this innocent animal, and walk outside your house towards the evening and, and the evening time of that final day before you share the meal. And take hyssop, a bunch of hyssop, wo wo uh, weave it together, make it woven together, put it in your hand so that it can become like a paintbrush, dip it in the basin. And as your family is huddled inside the house, get everybody, grandma's got to get in the house. Grandpa's got to come in from mowing the yard. He's got to get in the house. Those that have been working in the fields, making brick and gathering straw and making brick, we've got to wait till they come home. Everybody's got to get in the house. 
And so the leader of the home then would walk outside with a basin in one hand and the bunch of hyssop forming like a paintbrush in the other, and he would dip it in the basin, and he would stand outside the house, the two lentils, one on the left, one on the right, and the doorpost that's on top, and he would strike it. King James English says he would strike it with the blood of the lamb because it had a very important purpose. It would be because the plague, this tenth plague that was going to fall upon the land of Egypt was going to be different than the previous nine. Because the previous nine, it seems as if when the judgment came, there was an invisible line that separated Egypt from Israel. The hell went this far, but went no farther. The lice went this far, but went no farther. But on this night, the death angel was going to pass through the entirety of the, of the land of Egypt. He was going to go through all the good land of Goshen equally as he would through all the houses of the Egyptians. And the only thing that could make the difference and to differentiate between the Egyptian and the Israelite was when the death angel saw the blood. Hallelujah. When he saw the blood, he would have to pass over the people. And I'm telling you that still, that word, that word of faith still sounds in my spirit today. It's the blood that makes the difference, glory to God. It's the blood that makes the difference. The reality for the people of Israel is this. It was unlike anything that they had ever seen. It was without precedence. But they simply had to obey the word of the Lord. They could not trust in anything other than the blood. To do so, it would have been fruitless. To believe in God, yet without the blood, would have resulted in death. I want to say that one more time. If you believe in God, but you don't believe in the blood, it's going to result in death. To trust in your own moral upbringing. If the children of Israel would have said, but wait a minute, we have the sign of circumcision. We are the covenant of, of, of Abraham. And we don't have to apply the blood. It would have resulted in death. Moses, if Moses himself had said, but wait a minute. I've been on the holy mountain of God. I've been in his presence. I saw the burning bush. I heard the voice of God. I know the presence of God. You know his ways. Or you know his acts. I know his ways. But and so, therefore, I don't feel like I really need to apply the blood. It would have resulted in the death of his firstborn. To be fearful and fail to obey would have ended in death. If the word seemed too strong, too foreign, the result would have been death. If you had been too curious and you would have left the house prior to the morning, it could have resulted in the destroyer taking the, de the life of your firstborn. So the children of Israel, how this speaks to us today, were spared from the destroyer when they, by faith, heard the word of faith. They believed the word of faith, and they took the innocent lamb. They slew it at evening time, and they took the blood, and they covered the doorpost on the left and the right and over the top, and they went inside, and children cried, and there was a fear and uncertainty. And the owner and the, and the dweller of the house said, kids, listen, I know it's, we don't know what's going on but there's one thing we're going to do we're going to trust that that blood is going to be the thing that keeps us from the destroyer that is going to pass over the land and I came along to tell you this Sunday morning, nothing has changed from that time till right now. There's a difference between you and I and the world. And it's not because we could save ourselves to be delivered from Egyptian bondage. It's because of the blood has made the difference today. Our faith is in the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. So Pastor Brown, why is that written the way it's written? It's written so every preacher... No matter where he preaches at, could look back to that faithful moment and say, I want to tell you about the blood. You've got to trust in the blood. You can't trust in yourself. You can't save yourself. You've got to trust in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so today, let me tell you this real quickly. It's written for our learning. That Passover lamb is what we call it in theology. It was a type. T-Y-P-E. It was a type of Jesus' death. 
God took the innocent lamb, Jesus. His blood was shed on a hill called Golgotha, a mount that we call Calvary. And there between two thieves, it was there that the blood of the lamb was spilled. And when you and I, come on, like the doorpost on the right and the doorpost on the left and the doorpost upon, come on somebody, it was there that the blood was applied. The blood was spilled that day. And when you and I learn to say, what is this thing of faith? Faith is the capacity to believe. Faith is trusting in something. Faith is relying in, leaning our entire person upon. When you and I take the measure of faith that's been given to us and recognize that we cannot in any wise save ourselves, we can't stamp, we cannot stop the death angel. We can't hold his hand back. We can't keep him from our houses. All we can do is submit to the blood of Jesus Christ as our covering. Glory to God. So today... I want to share with you in closing a little bit what I've learned along my journey of life about the blood, about the blood of Jesus. I'm so grateful for the blood today. How about you? I'm excited to just, just go out with a little bit of a flurry about the blood, about the blood. Did you know you were purchased by his blood? Come on, you were purchased. You were, you were, you were bought with a price. What price was that? It was a, there are various words that you'll see in Scripture that describe certain things that happen in the spiritual. Sometimes God uses accounting words. And this is a accounting. We're like reckon. Reckon is an accounting word in Scripture. And so in this you were purchased. There was a payment. There was a debt that you owe that you couldn't pay. And somebody was going to pay it. And they paid it in his own life. And he gave it with a thing. He paid it to God in the most precious thing. That's why the Apostle Peter, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Apostle the Peter called it this. He said it was precious blood. I want you to think about that for a moment in time. We live in the world today where we have precious metals, we have titanium, we have platinum, we have gold and silver. All that matters nothing to God. It doesn't amount to currency in heaven. There is only one thing that could be used to release you from your sin debt to Adam and your own transgression. And that was the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb slain without blemish. Glory to God. It's precious blood. Did you know that by that blood you were justified? Oh, hallelujah. I've done my best as a pastor for these many years. I wear people away at times, I know. But we go through the things. We try to give you more than just a little pat on the back. We try to tell you scriptures that we believe that when these become revelation to you, it will change everything about you. Romans 5 and 9 says you are justified by his blood and you are saved from wrath. Did you know, again, we had a counting term that we see earlier, but then now we have a judicial term where it says you are justified by his blood. The word justified in the original language means it is just as if you have not sinned. You're more than acquitted where you are still maybe considered uh, 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 guilty, but we couldn't find enough evidence to convict you. Let me tell you about you. There was plenty of evidence to convict you. And the gavel fell, but the gavel failed and announced Jesus guilty as he stood in your place. His blood was spilled for you so that God could take him and put him as a propitiation, one of my favorite words, a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice for your sin so that once your sins were forgiven, God would not look at you the same as he did previously he wouldn't look at you and say well this is the sinner that is content no he said you were a sinner I put it away you are just as if you have never sinned because of the power of the blood of Jesus glory to God the blood we are redeemed by his blood Israel was redeemed from Egyptian bondage you've been redeemed and your sins have been forgiven I love this one. Ephesians 2 and 13 says this. The Gentiles were brought near by the blood of Christ. Did y'all know that? And when that teaching there, and I thought about this for the very first time today when I was meditating on this service this morning. Because I, I love that verse of scripture. Because you and I were Gentiles. We were not of the commonwealth of Israel. Right? We were not sons of Abraham. But now by the blood. The middle wall of partition has been broken down, and you and I that were afar off are brought nigh by the blood of Jesus, right? And God's made two into one. There's one new man, glory to God. So under that, that's why it's called a better covenant today, because the beginning of that old covenant, which took place at the Passover on that night, the Egyptian could not find redemption. He could not find redemption. But today... I could get on an airplane this afternoon, and they could fly me to Cairo, Egypt, and I could land at the airport and say, as I was standing there in the airport, 
I could look out and see the pyramids of Egypt that, that have been left standing for all these years. And I could announce to the Egyptians today, I came along with the word of faith. I came along with good news that now, because of the blood of Jesus, you Egyptians that were far off, you can be brought near by virtue of the blood, glory to God. The blood of Jesus. Listen to what it says. God made peace through his blood. Are you at peace with God this morning? Peace with God. The Bible says by his own blood he entered the holy place. Think about that. By his own blood that when Jesus died, and there's a theological debate of what took place from the resurrection of Jesus before his final ascension on the 40 days. I've often wondered myself because on his first appearance when Mary tried to touch him, he said, touch me not for I've not yet ascended into my, unto my father. But later when he appeared to his disciples, he said, touch me and see for a spirit is not flesh and bone. Is it possible that from the time of his initial resurrection to the time that he met his disciples in Galilee, that he ascended into the most holy place of all? And he came in by the blood, the blood, his own blood that he shed. Hallelujah. That's powerful right there. And so you and I now, he went in, and now you and I have access. The Bible says you have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. If we only understood the impact of that statement, that when you and I worship and when we pray, it's as if we are standing in the very presence of Almighty God, in His very corridors, and we stand there complete in Christ, accepted because of the blood. His blood will purge your consciousness from dead works, that you can serve the living God. Oh, that's powerful right there. His blood will purge your consciousness, and you can learn to serve the living God. The writer said in another place, His blood still speaks. A better word than that of Abel's. You remember the Bible says about Abel's blood? The two sons of Adam that, got, that strove one with the other, Cain and Abel. And Cain killed Abel. And when God came down, he said, your brother's blood speaks or calls to me from the ground. The writer of Hebrews said that blood, that blood, he said the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. What's the contrast of that? Abel's blood demanded demanded wrath but Jesus's blood announces mercy it speaks a better word are you hearing me today it's a better word today it's a it's, it's a word that still lives I love this one you are sanctified by his blood I mean I tell you what you get that in your heart and mind you know I didn't have the best week this week I didn't have the best week of mental preparation heart preparation I told sister Sherry I said it's probably the least prepared that I've been for a sermon in a long time not just my head but my heart but I was able to put it all aside because I learned years ago that I've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Set apart, hadn't got anything to do with me. It's all about him. He, he chose me, called me, set me apart. And now, listen to this, he is perfecting us through the blood to do his will. He is perfecting us by his blood. And that's why Peter did say it's precious. It's the precious blood of Jesus by which you were redeemed. And 1 John 1 and 7 says this, walk in the light. Have fellowship one with the other, and the blood will cleanse you from all sin. Three times it says this, or excuse me, it says this about three. First John 5 says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one. There are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. The blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you what the blood of Jesus did for you. He loved us, and he washed you from your sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. Let, can, let me say it slowly. He loved you. If you don't feel loved at all today, let me tell you, God loved you through his son. He found you. You didn't find him. And he washed you from your sins in his own blood. But he didn't stop there. We often stop there. John said, and he's made you a king and a priest unto God by virtue of the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful today for the blood? I'm thankful today for the blood of Jesus Christ. And before I close, I'm going to drop one more in your heart. Because today, say, Pastor Brown, is there a word of faith for us today? There is. The word of faith is, is that we put our faith in the blood. 
<laughs> I think you caught that already. What made the difference? The blood made the difference, didn't it? His faith in his blood. But I want you to go all the way back to that good land of Goshen on that fateful night when the children of Israel were brought out of Egyptian bondage. 430 years of sorrow and travail ended the night that the blood was shed and applied to the doorpost. Captured, captured by God on the parchments of Holy Script so that you and I, every generation and every continent, every tribe, kindred, and tongue can read about it and learn about it and say that when the death angel, when the death angel, when the death angel passes through, when he would do more than what hell did, H-A-I-L, he would do more than what the lice or the flies would do, go to the land of Goshen and stop as almost an invisible barrier. The death angel had the power to break through and to actually go all the way across all the people's houses, going through the corridors of the city streets, going right through each one. But not a single Israelite lost his life because they heard the word, they believed the word, they acted upon the word. Are you hearing me today? And that was the word of faith in their heart, in their mouth. They believed it, they obeyed it, and it kept them from the death angel. Are you hearing me today? The death angel. Well, let me tell you today, that blood still has potency, still carries potency for us in our faith and communion with God. But also in one more other area, I'd like to drop in your heart as we close today. John the Revelator, as he's writing, writes about one that we've grown familiar with. Sometimes I think we've grown too familiar. There's almost people that know more about the adversary than they seem to know about God. I knew didn't get much of an amen on that either. I've kind of accepted that. But, but I want to say this. But John addresses this. He, he, he references him in the revelation that he's seeing while on the Isle of Patmos when God is unlocking and unveiling heaven. And he tells us a little bit about this adversary. He says, John saw whom he called a dragon. So you use the word dragon. And he had previously, in another place, called him an accuser. And John said, well, he said, John wanted us to know who this individual was. He said, this is the old serpent. Remember, we, this whole journey took us back to the beginning. And we went to the Genesis where the old serpent was. Here's what John said. John said, he's a, he's a dragon, he's an accuser, he's the old serpent. He said, some call him the devil, and some call him Satan. And here's what he said about him. He said, he deceives the whole world. The whole world has been deceived by, by this fallen angel that you and I know as a dragon, an accuser, an old serpent, the devil, and Satan. But John begins to announce that something has happened now that men and women can overcome him. We can over, and John said, we can overcome him by the word of our testimony. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? By the word of your testimony, you learn to overcome the old accuser. You learn to overcome him. And then he said, part of it also is you've got to learn also to not love your life even unto death. You got to let it go. You're hidden in Christ, right? You overcome the enemy. You overcome the enemy by simply saying, I'm, I'm hidden in God, right? I'm hidden in Him. My life is for His glory. It doesn't matter about certain things on this side of eternity. I'm just sold out to the Lord. So I can overcome the accuser. I can overcome the adversary. I can overcome the old serpent, the devil, and Satan by the word of my testimony and not loving my life unto death. But John then also said this. He said that if you really want to overcome the adversary, if you want to silence the voice of the accuser, if you want to trample under your feet uh, that old serpent, if you want to pull down devils uh, and bind Satan, then you will learn to do so by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So I want you to know today that there's power in the blood of Jesus. When it gets in your heart and you learn to speak it with your mouth, I cannot tell you the times that I've come under guilt and condemnation and the enemy was berating me and pulling me down and I lifted up my voice and I said, Satan, the blood rebukes you. Glory to God. That's the victory that we have. That's how we overcome the world. We overcome the world by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. I preach my heart out to you today. That's all I can give you. I'm going to ask Daryl to join me on the platform today. I'm going to wrap it up for us real quickly today. The blood. The blood. Come on, the blood makes the difference. The blood makes the difference. 
Pastor, do we do the same thing? No, you don't have to mark the doorpost of your house with an animal's blood. But I guarantee you, you need to walk through the corridors of your home uh, through the nighttime, in the morning time, saying, I plead the blood. I mark my son by the blood. I mark my daughter by the blood. Mama's marked by the blood. Daddy's marked by the blood. My children, my grandchildren, they're covered by the efficacious blood of the Lamb of God. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus, our faith today, is in the blood. I know it don't make sense. I know I can't rationalize it. Can you imagine the children of Israel trying to rationalize that? They saw the people of Egypt, the land just destroyed. And they saw judgments unlike any nation had ever seen. I mean, it, it was beyond... You know, I think Hurricane Hillary is coming up in a unique place off the coast of Southern uh, California. It's probably the first time you have an appropriate named uh, hurricane, but we'll, we won't go there. We'll let that one go right there. We'll let that, mute that one out. Mute that one out. <laughs> That's funny right there. Uh, so, but these plagues that we're talking about, these were not, these are not man-made. This, this wasn't just, you know, uh, this was not something, it wasn't man-made, excuse me, but it wasn't just a natural disaster. The, even the Egyptians began to realize this was the judgment of God. God was judging our gods. They began to realize. And when the people of Israel heard that for the first time, that judgment's going to come to you. It's going to come to you. I'm telling you, that fear could get in your heart. They saw what, and they saw its devastation. If you don't mind, Lord, put that one verse of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, back on the screen, if we can. Through faith, Moses and the people kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. It was that real. It didn't matter in that moment how odd it seemed, how brutal. Some people see blood sacrifice and they, they see the brutality of it. They see the unfairness of it, that, that a penalty is passed to the, an innocent, that others that are guilty are then declared innocent. And it didn't matter. If you tried to rationalize it away, it just wouldn't make any difference. The death angel was coming, and the only thing that could, could cover you and protect you was the blood. And that word still speaks, doesn't it? It just still speaks. The blood, the blood of Jesus. So as I conclude here today, this fourth message in a series of messages about faith. Faith. Faith is in your heart. It's the capacity to believe. It's the desire to believe. It's, the, it's that, that God has separated us and allowed us to say, here's the word. I've heard the word. I don't have to uh, let the enemy come and steal it from my heart. I can receive the word. I can ponder on the word. I can then obey the word, right? And then the word works. It does work. That's why the writer Isaiah said, God's word is like rain. It doesn't return to him void. If he speaks it, it's going to come to pass. And so we heard it and we believe it. The children of Israel believed. They believed. And not a single one of them died that night. All that was written so that I would have an opportunity to bring you to this awareness today. Don't trust in anything except for the blood of Jesus. Concerning communion and fellowship with God and your place of relationship, how he views you and looks at you and sees you. If you try to see him through how you feel, you'll fail miserably. Right? Your value, your worth, if you think it's based upon anything that you could do or say, you'll fail miserably. But if you simply learn to trust to trust in the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, your life will be forever altered. You'll walk in the light as he is in the light. The blood of Jesus will have cleansed you from all sin. Your guilt and consciousness, when it tries to bubble up inside you, and it does. It does. The accuser, he's always trying to bring something to your mind, right? But then what do we do? We, we rebuke him by the blood. The power of the blood. I got to end because I could just go on and on. About the power of the blood. Faith. Faith. I got one verse of scripture. I forgot to, to have them put. I want to have them put this up here. 
Did you know this is the only place, there's only two, listen, pause real quick. There's only two places in all the New Testament where faith and blood are in the same verse of Scripture. One is Hebrews eleven twenty eight. We read that. Moses, by virtue of the blood, he kept by faith Moses. But this is Romans chapter number 3, verse number 25. Whom God hath set forth. There's that word that I quote often, propitiation. It means an atoning sacrifice or mercy seat. Through faith in his blood. Faith in his blood. That's the word of faith, church family. Faith in his blood. How will you be saved? Faith in his blood. How are you declared righteous? Faith in his blood. How is it that you that were previously guilty are now declared not guilty? And more than just not guilty, it's just as if you've not sinned. You're justified in the eyes of God. You're at peace with God. It's because of faith in his blood. Faith in his blood. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. That's how we're going to close the service off today. I'm going to give you an opportunity today in Jesus' name. I've done my very best today to bring you the word that the Lord put in my heart. As ill-prepared as I was, I've trusted in his holy anointing to share with you today. There could be someone, I prayed about it this morning, my job as a pastor is to teach and to preach, but it's also to reach. There might be somebody here today, and I know that my, a, a preacher that preaches like I do, I get loud, I, I yell at times, I do so with a smile on my face, so it's kind of oxymoron, you think I'm mad, I'm not, I'm really happy, and all that stuff, and, but I want you to know today, I brought you this message to tell you, put your faith in the blood. You've got the ability to believe, you've got the ability to trust God, but you can't save yourself. The death angel cometh. The death angel cometh. We're all going to die. We're all going to stand before God one day. We're going to have to give account for the things in this life. I don't know about you. I'm going to plead the blood. But I want to encourage you to do it right now. Maybe there's somebody among us today said, Pastor Brown, through all your ranting, the Holy Spirit just seems to be pulling on my heart here today. Pastor, I, 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 want, to, I want to believe in the blood of Jesus. I want to trust in the blood of Jesus. I want, I want to be saved by virtue of the blood of Jesus. If that's you, slip your hand up. I'll pray with you today. It's a great congregation we've got here today. I'm just looking. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I'll give you an opportunity. I'll give you a moment. I'm waiting in the Lord's presence. Waiting. If there one, is there one here today? Is there any at all, young or old alike? Won't y'all stand up with me today, church family, and we're going to pray. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house today? Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus? Can we pray a prayer of closing here today and just bless the Lord? Come on, Joe exhorted us earlier, open our mouth, put volume to our lips and speak. It's the word of faith. Is it near you? Is it in your heart and in your mouth? Uh, don't, don't wait till to, to, to you're in a crisis to learn to plead the blood. How about right now? How about all of us for just a moment of time before you walk out, before you leave these doors, who will take just a moment right now just to begin to say, God, I want to thank you for the blood. Father, I just want to thank you for the blood of Jesus. I want to thank you for the covering of the blood today, God. I want to thank you that my sins were a scarlet, but now they're white as wool, God, in Jesus' name, because of the blood of Jesus. I want to thank you that I was afar off, God. I was far off, but now I'm brought near by the blood of the Lamb. I want to thank you today, God. I felt unholy and not equipped, God, but suddenly the Spirit of God, by virtue of the blood, began to save me and equip me and change me, O oh God. Father, for your glory, the people of God among us today, I plead the blood over them. As their pastor, I join my faith to theirs today, God, to the things they're going to deal with this week, through their trials and seasons of life, the challenges of life that they're going to go through, God. I pray by virtue, I plead the blood over them today, God. We mark the doorposts of our heart and our mind, God, by virtue of the blood. Families plead the blood over their family and children right now, God, and Jesus, parents, God. I pray that today, God. On school campuses, we plead the blood. In the military, God, over our sons and daughters, we plead the blood. Come on. In the home, God, we plead the blood today, Father. Those that are oppressed by the enemy, we plead the blood over them today, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Father, in Jesus' mighty name today, God. We simply stand in closing today, God. To thank you. The word of faith today. The word of faith is faith in his blood. God, today let the people through all this week, all this week, take the ramblings of a madman preacher. And let their attention when they go to the word quickly run towards the blood.
Let them be reminded of the power and the virtue of the blood of Jesus, God. That we saw just a type and shadow in the Passover lamb slain in the good land of Goshen long years ago to teach us about the day when Jesus would die on Calvary for our sins. So today, God, I'm grateful. I'm going to walk away here today with my heart feeling like I have shared all that you wanted me to share because I've shared the word of faith. And that word of faith is faith in his blood. Faith in his blood. I bless the people with that today. It's how I'll close off. Lord, I bless them. Father, I pray that you'll keep them, that you'll be with them today, God. And today, as they leave, I bless them and I plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, come on, somebody, amen and amen. Now, I started off to you, Jace Holmes is going to be in the foyer today. Don't forget. I don't see him in the sanctuary, so that means he's, remember what I said, he'll be out there. But church family, let me tell you one last thing before you go. You got to, if you see somebody you don't know, you don't see somebody you don't know, and I know you see somebody you don't know, make sure that you introduce yourself to them. We've got some visitors among us. Make sure that you tell them how much you appreciate them being in service with one another, with us today. God bless you. Love one another. Thank you for being here.